This is Lisa from Washington, and I have no idea what an I doubt it with Dollamore is. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome, one and all. We love each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us for this 163rd episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me with bells on, I think that's still a thing, Brittany Page. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> you are actually bell free this evening. Again, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I'm trying to get you into the spirit. Mm. <laughs> wow. You're going to have to try a little bit harder. I guess I so. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. Post debate. Mm-hmm. Ready to go. How are you feeling? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm I'm feeling okay. Uh-oh. What happened to you? Well, I'm still a little concerned. Uh, I don't want to say bummed out or, or or sad, but I'm concerned. It always concerns me when someone doesn't like me mm-hmm. with no cause. Okay. Because there's plenty of times when someone shouldn't like me. Right. It's like I always say, if you know me and don't like me, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know me and you don't like me, I don't like it. And the other night, when you, me, and a friend went out for a couple of drinks Mm -hmm. to watch the Boise State University football game, Mm -hmm. we had just such an encounter with a a bartender who clearly, clearly didn't fucking like me and was not even trying to, to make it seem like he did. Yeah, he was pretty bold in his hatred for you. And really, I want the, I want to stress this to the audience. He had no cause. There was no reason to hate me as aggressively and outwardly as he was. Well, I, I think what pissed him off is that you asked to have the Boise State game on the TV. And no one here cares about the Boise <laughs> State game. Right. So it's an unusual request. And he was probably like, who's this guy wanting to take up a TV watching this game that no one cares about? And so he told you, in 30 minutes, I'm going to be putting you know, the Dodger game on or whatever. Right, it's playoffs. It's major league baseball playoff time. Yeah. Who cares? And the Dodgers, which are one of the local major league baseball teams. I know. I do think it's kind of a who cares, but I'm not a baseball fan for those baseball fans. It is a big deal. And I, and I'm sensitive to that. However, this is a bar that probably has 30 TVs. How many big screen TVs do they have in there? Well, there's only one at the bar in that area. So you were taking up the one TV in that area. And what ended up happening was they didn't change the TV in 30 minutes. And instead, other bartenders, people would come up and say, 
hey, what is this game that's on? And they would say, oh, someone is watching this particular game. So you're going to if you want to watch something else, you're going to have to go find it and sit elsewhere. But I didn't say, no, don't change the channel. When he said we may have to change it. I said, oh, okay, Yeah, I understand. No problem. Right. So I think he was probably irritated that these other bartenders took it upon themselves to follow through with your wishes. And so when you, you know, needed a refill or whatever, he was not even speaking to you. I mean, he it was real weird. He did not respond to you saying things. He would just refill your drink, set it back down, not even make eye contact, not speak to you. And it was very awkward. I had to, at one point, when he when I said, hey, can I get one of those rogue hazelnut ales or whatever it is, he just went to do it. I said, thank you, when he went to do it. He, he, he came back to get the, give me the drink, and he said, and I said, thank you again. He didn't respond. Mm-hmm. And then something else happened, and I, I made a point to say, hey, thank you, thank you. And finally, he nodded, silently nodded. Mm, did he? I think he did because I was like, Jesus Christ, I had to fucking twist this guy's arm. Well, I think you were to like accept my gratitude. <laughs> you were like desperate for his attention, so I think you might All right. Yeah. Well, listen, like I said, if you know me and you have enough information to make a judgment call to not like me, I am a okay with that because I'm not for everybody. I'm not everybody's taste. But if you have no idea who I am and you're making a snap judgment based on nothing, uh, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> Maybe I'm just being a wuss. You think it would hurt your feelings more in the opposite way? Um, well, I don't know. I, because obviously if someone doesn't know anything about you, then their hatred of you has nothing to do with you. But if they do know you and then hate you, well, their hatred has to do with you. Yeah, well... Yeah, but I'm okay with people not... Because I'm not everybody's taste. Some people don't like that I talk about politics. Some people don't like that I'm an atheist. Some people don't like the fact that I'm comfortable pronouncing my atheism, my lack of belief in gods. Not not, not like I run around doing it all the time, but that makes some people uncomfortable. They think I should just... If you're going to be an atheist, that's fine. Just keep it to yourself. Well... Not to take the attention away from you, (laughs) but... That's not what this is about, but please. But something happened to me today. Oh, yeah. They kind of related to this. Regarding what you're saying, yes. I was presenting on my thesis topic, which involves atheists. And after I was done, people asked me questions. And someone asked me if I was an atheist... I think they said, what what religion are you or something? Hmm. Um, kind of trying to figure out why this is my area of interest and in what I'm doing my thesis on. In a classroom setting. Yes, in front of the class. And I just smiled and said, yes, I'm an atheist. Um, but it was kind of strange for me because I, I do still feel anxiety about people finding out, about yeah. people knowing and I had just, you know, finished talking about the stigma, prejudice, discrimination that atheists receive. The same thing we've talked about on the show many times, that rapists are trusted at a greater frequency or level than atheists. And to be fair, that was a small study, and that was one study that found that. So, yeah. you know, that's not... It's, I mean, it's emblematic of, of just the general tome that we're, we're going, we're talking about. But there is obviously a huge problem in people believing that, you know, atheists are 
not as moral and not as trustworthy because they don't believe in a God, particularly a God that monitors their behavior. So um, that's that's a God to whom you are a slave. Right. That's unfortunate. And then I kind of joked to this person after class. I said, thanks for forcing me out of the closet because it is kind of a coming out sort of a thing. Yeah. And even in a, even in an academic setting, I feel as though I'm a minority hmm. in my non-religious affiliation. Well, you have in your college career encountered believers who are professors. I have. Uh, I'm not sure that I have. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure that I have. Just people, I ha- I don't think I've had a professor who openly said they were. Oh, okay. You just, from the information you gleaned from different things they said. Yes. Oh, okay. But no one has openly talked about it. In fact, it was kind of awkward to openly talk about it in front of class. But anyway, the whole point is people don't like you because you're an atheist. Now people have the opportunity to not like me because I'm an atheist. I'm not saying it's strictly because I'm an atheist. It's one of the components, uh, generally, that I'm okay talking about sensitive topics. Mm-hmm. It makes people. We've been at parties where we will bring up current events, and all of a sudden, the crowd of eight or ten people will disperse very rapidly. They don't want to talk about politics. They don't want to talk about anything that's in the news because it might be controversial, and people are pussies. Uh, no, no. I think that you're remembering things incorrectly. Huh. Okay. Well. Fill in the blanks. Um, well, well, I remember being at the last party that we went to, and there was a circle of people all discussing politics and the news, and there was a debate happening. But then it gets contentious because that's what happens with politics and religion. It's their personal issues to people. They feel hmm. personal. People can't separate the ideas from the persons. They feel personally attacked when someone disagrees with them on these issues. So that's probably more correct. People can talk about these things, but the reason that they don't like to in those situations is because it can become contentious and it can create distance and it can just be a problem because of the way that people view talking about them. So generally you're saying people are pussies. No, (laughs) no, I'm not. I'm saying probably you could be a little less aggressive in those moments. Probably. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, Brittany just fucking told me. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. And I don't have my feelings hurt. <laughs> because I Because I know am you. not a pussy. Because I know you. and <laughs> But if I didn't know you, apparently that would be extremely upsetting. No. Anyway, turd sandwich. Let's move on. We've got all kinds of stuff to get to. In the wake of our, of our missing, our canceled guest... To counter guest Victor, pro-gun Victor, we had scheduled a an anti-gun, a pro-gun control person, and they, at the very last minute, canceled, and I am dumb and didn't have a contingency plan, a backup plan. So... That is what contingency means. Yeah, well, I like, <laughs> to, I like to spell it out. Okay. So, we have a stack, a storehouse... A bevy, is this good, of voicemails and emails from different listeners who are re- who have responded in one way or another to the entire gun control, gun ownership issue. 
First up is all the way back responding to my comments related to Obama and his presser that he gave the day of the Oregon Community College shooting. Hey, Jesse, I'm just calling about the last podcast where you got really, really pissed off at the way Obama handled the press conference regarding the latest mass shooting. Um, I honestly, I kind of feel for him because he's just fucking tired of the American people not giving a fuck. What he's trying to get them to do is like, listen, if you think this is important, you need to elect people in the office that are going to make these decisions, the decisions that you want made. You can't keep electing these fucking assholes. I'm pretty sure that's what he's trying to get get across. <laughs> Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Uh, what? Oh. Whoa, what? <laughs> what? What was that last part? Mm-hmm. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Ooh, it's I even better the second time. I don't even know how to feel about that. Hurts my feelings maybe more than not no. knowing someone and having them hate my guts. Oh, wow! Thank you very much. Love the show, Brittany's the best part. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Wow. That is just... So thank you, caller. I'm not sure if we have the name, but... Beautiful. But that was fantastic, and I really appreciate that. Let me address some of the sum and substance of the the call, of her her opinions. One is I agree. Obama was certainly pissed off. He was frustrated beyond the pale. And I think his attitude kind of is, hey, you need to quit electing these fuckers. And I do believe that you're correct about that. However, he's also one of these fuckers that we elect. He is an elected official just like Congress. And he also is in a position of power to put forward legislation, to put forward ideas for Congress to run with. He can call he can call a meeting of Congress. He can give a speech to a joint session of Congress outside of the State of the Union if it's that big a deal to him. So while I don't give him maybe as much credit as you do, I do agree with you that he is super, super frustrated. I just wish he would act on that frustration rather than be armchair quarterback guy. So next up, and also thank you very much, caller. We appreciate all communications with the show. 657-464-7609. If you are a voicemail averse, of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Next up is an email to that very address from Deanna. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. It's, is it Deanna, right? Yes. <laughs> First, I love listening to your show and hearing your perspective. See, I don't... makes me feel good. That's making me feel real good. Mm-hmm. Love I... the show. Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Bye. I don't always agree, which is fine. It gives me perspective. Most of the time, I agree. However, listening to this last episode, I found myself screaming in anger at my phone at what was being said, so much so that it has compelled me to send this email in the effort to further the conversation. I appreciate that the conversation helped me think about the issue differently. There really should be two discussions around gun violence. One, about the mass shooting events. Two, the everyday gun violence on the street, and there may be solutions that help 
help one and not the other, and that is okay. With that in mind, I was angered by a few arguments and statements made in support of why nothing is going to happen. One, when you were talking about assault weapons and magazine clip size, Victor said that banning or limiting assault weapons would only make a small dent in the problem. And my response is, why wouldn't we do that even if it makes a small dent? I keep hearing the excuse for everything that that really won't help or that wouldn't stop this, etc. We should be taking every measure to make small dents in this huge problem we have. Two. I agree with that. I mean, I don't know about the specific policy about reducing magazine size or banning certain magazine size. I don't, I haven't given a thought to, to, th- to, to give a position on that and how much of an infringement upon the, the Second Amendment that would be. But I definitely think it's on the table. It should be on the table. Sorry, go ahead. Two, that going through background checks or having a national registry would not stop people that really want to get a gun. Duh, nothing stops a determined person, but it could be a deterrent to the average Joe. And why shouldn't there be a national registry? This information could help solve and maybe prevent crimes. I heard the convoluted several-step process it takes to find out who bought a gun in a crime. What a joke. If there was a national registry, wouldn't it help the police to know, for example, that if someone has been issued a restraining order or got arrested for anything, that they have a gun even if it was bought 10 years ago? Now, now they know there is an added risk or they can take the gun away. More information would be better. Three, in support for the agreement that the best answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy, you mentioned the president and the pope are surrounded by armed guards and police have them. These are all highly trained individuals, not Joe Dick, who decided he needed a gun. I would support the requirement that if you want to own a gun, you need to be certified on how to use it. This would be another deterrent to the average Joe. I am A-OK with that because I'm not just your average Joe dick. And uh, I mean, I don't own a gun, but I am highly, highly trained and proficient in the use of very dangerous weapons. I'm not a ninja. I'm just a Marine, Brittany. Right. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. So... (laughs) Number four, I also hate the attitude that because of the Second Amendment, you can do nothing. I think that is crap. I am all for upholding the Constitution, but the amendment needs to be amended to account for significant changes in weaponry available today. The amendment says you have the right to bear arms. It does not say you have the right to own 15 guns or firearms that can shoot an unlimited number of shots per minute. We can and should make changes to gain control over the situation. I look forward to the next discussion. Best, Deanna. And here Jesse goes about to disagree with your fourth point. Tremendously. Tremendous. uh, Tremendously. Uh, It's tremendous. Uh, I do agree. I do disagree with your last point because. Oh, she also added P.S. Brittany's the best part. No. No, she didn't. Love the show. (laughs) Brittany's the best part. I do disagree. Not necessarily to the entire point because we do have a constitution that is a living, breathing document. And if you want it changed, then you should lobby your lawmaker to do so because there is an amendment process. Over the course of the of the 200 and change years that we've been a nation and the Constitution has been around, it has been changed 27 times. 10 during the initial ratification and then 17 subsequent amendments that have happened since then. The final 27th Amendment is that the Congress 
can't make any, they can't vote themselves a pay raise. Any pay raise that Congress votes for has to take effect in the next Congress. So it wasn't that particular Congress that voted themselves a pay raise. They have to go through an election cycle, and then if they get reelected, then it goes into effect. That was the last one. So uh, the Constitution isn't something that we can just, well, we don't agree, and you can't own 13 guns. It, there is no limit to the number of guns in the Constitution. If you would like that to be in there, like I said, you should lobby your representative. But it's it's tough. And it was meant to be tough to amend the Constitution. That was part of the deal. They knew that we wanted it to be a hard road to hoe. And they built it in to be difficult. So anyway, we appreciate your email. Of course, it's awesome. Uh, I'm sorry that you had to get so angry that you screamed at your phone in order to get motivated enough to, to email us. We We love the interaction. And it is moving the conversation forward. This is a beautiful thing that we're doing here talking about it because I do agree with most of the points you raise. And that is that is the conversation. It's changing hearts and minds through civil discourse, and that is what that is. So thanks, Deanna, very much. We appreciate it. If you too would like to email us, I doubt it at dollamore.com or 657-464-7609. Next up is a voicemail from a, I would say, rel relatively frequent caller. And this time it's not about Donald Trump. Hey, guys. Uh, just listening to your interview with the, uh, the gentleman uh, who you brought on for a, a pro-gun viewpoint. And uh, he's certainly not the kind of guy I would be concerned with. I mean, he obviously seems like a responsible gun owner, has registered weapons, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like he's... He takes all precautions to be as safe as possible, which I can certainly appreciate and I have no problem with um, if that was the case with everybody. Uh, where I have an issue is he's yet another guy with all these, well, you can't do this or this or this or this. You can't do this. And he's a very opinionated guy, has a lot of ideas until it comes time to, well, what could you do? And then it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, well, that's, that, that's the problem is we have a, a country of, well, I don't know. So it really feels like to me... <clears throat> Excuse me. That, yeah, it, it's in the it's in the Bill of Rights, so, you know. But uh, we also have limitations on the freedom of speech. You can't yell fire in a theater. There's slander. You know, there are things you can't you can't do. Uh, just the same way with the Second Amendment. We we're not saying that, you know, or we obviously don't think that everyone should be able to get bombs and grenades and tanks. Like there, there are limitations or fighter jets. You know, um, there are. I have no issue with guns as tools. I mean, I, I grew up shooting skeet and trap, and, and I've been to the range, you know, dozens and dozens of times. Uh, I feel pretty competent in the ability to, if I found a gun on the street, I would be able to safely discharge the weapon, remove the magazine, clear the chamber, uh, so that it wasn't a danger to anybody. Uh, so I, I, I've, I've been around guns enough to know what I'm doing. Um, that said, I don't... Uh, at least for me personally, and I can't make this decision for everybody else in the country, but I'm, I'm done. Like, I will never own a weapon again. Uh, I, I don't need... I've got two young kids now, me and my wife do, and, and uh, I don't need one of them happening upon it and, you know, having something bad happen. Uh, and honestly, I, I just think that I don't need uh, 
I don't need protection that bad. I've got deadbolts on my house, and uh, it's just it's. I live in a reasonable area, and I, I think I'm I'm pretty okay, and I'm I'm willing to roll the chances with that rather than have a weapon in the house that's much more likely to hurt someone in the house than outside of it. Um, so, anyways, I mean, I don't I don't know why anybody would balk at registry of guns. Um, obviously, some people are going to cry foul the fact that most of this stuff would have to happen on a federal level, because that's part of the problem. Say with Chicago, right? There's mountains and mountains of guns in Chicago, even though in Illinois there are relatively strict gun laws. It's because they all come from Indiana and Missouri and Iowa, where there are next to no gun laws. Um, and because you can just take them across state lines in a, in a private vehicle means that there's kind of no way to lock that down, unfortunately. Um, so I, I think it would have to be a federal level thing. Uh, whatever we decide to do, because that's the other thing. Having states, different states with different laws is dumb it, when it comes to this. It doesn't make any sense. It, it needs to be an across-the-board standard. Um, I, man, I, I don't know. Uh, it seems like registry is a big deal. Um, closing the private sale loophole, making someone have to sign off that in every state, sign off on that. Uh just like having a driver's license, having to prove proficiency in safety testing seems like a good idea because he's totally right. It's not proficient gun owners that do this. It's not law-abiding, legally procured. You know, it's, it's not those people doing this stuff. So I, I totally think you should be able to own a firearm if you want. Uh, I, I have some concerns about high-capacity, high-powered uh, military-style weapons, and I know Jesse and I have talked about this before. Um, I don't know why a private citizen would need an AR-15 variant or a uh, or an AK-47, but you know, whatever, to each his own. Um, and I understand that in the vast majority of these, with the exception of Aurora and with uh, Newtown, those those are not used in these type of things. It's a it's a handgun that you can conceal is the is the scarier object. Um, but I understand, man, if you if you live on a piece of property in Wyoming. And you've got deer and you got bears and moose and stuff. Of course, you should have a rifle. Like that, it's a tool, like a shovel or a pickaxe or something. Like I, I have no problem with that. Uh, if you, you know, if you're concerned about home defense, uh, then then having a shotgun is a good idea. It's a, it's a tool. Um, but I do think that you should have to prove that you're capable and know when and when not to use it and all, all those kind of things. Um, I do think. I do put some weight in the uh, when the the thought that when the Second Amendment was written, they couldn't have possibly seen what was kind of coming. Um, I mean, we're talking about lines of dudes that that lined up, you know, in rows with with muskets shooting at each other, taking turns, not you know, hundred round uh, barrel magazines that can dispatch a hundred people in you know, twenty seconds or something. So. Uh, yeah, anyways, guys, love the show. I, I think this is an important conversation to have. Uh, I find myself to be somewhere maybe left middle on this off, on this subject. Uh, I, I don't want guns taken away, but I certainly want some realistic, reasonable options that I would think the vast majority of Americans can agree on uh, to be in place. So, anyways, guys, uh, talk to you later. It sounds kind of like Deanna and Dan share a brain. Yeah. They had some very similar points. Maybe she wrote an email because she was standing on the same street corner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Listen, uh, there's a lot that I agree with, uh, with 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 the caller. There's also some that I disagree with. 
Um, I do agree that a safety proficiency certification isn't a bad idea. You know, um, you have to take a test to get a driver's license to get behind the wheel of a car. Why would you not have to take a, a test to for gun ownership? Mm, that makes sense. I don't think that's infringing upon your right. It just It's ensuring that you know what the fuck you're doing with the goddamn dangerous gun. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is he's talking about that it should be all kind of run from the federal government. Well, I totally agree with that because it's a federally protected right. Mm-hmm. You don't have state level. There aren't differences in the state levels of the freedom of speech. Right. It's a federally protected, not a federally granted right. It's a, it, it is our inalienable right that is protected by the federal government. So it should be not administered state by state. So it, it definitely has to be dealt with on a federal level. And I think that some of these concealed carry issues and other just other gun ownership issues, they have to be federal. It can't be piecemeal state by state because as I've taken issue with something that Bernie Sanders has said that, well, I live in a rural area, it's different than it is in New York City. Well, unfortunately, the rights that are protected under the Constitution aren't different for those who live in the country. Or those who live in the city. It's right. just, that's not the way it's set up. Mm-hmm. So. I saw you writing furiously. Yeah, so I know there's more. There, there is more. And then also he said that, you know, our founding fathers, there's not any way possible they could have seen what was coming down the pike relative to technology. Well, mm-hmm. I, I would agree that that's probably true, but they also couldn't have seen what was what was what, what kind of communication was possible. When they gave gave us the freedom of speech. Right. But where they did, what they did see coming, or where they did acknowledge their blind spot, they did acknowledge their lack of understanding of what was coming when they allowed us to amend our Constitution. Mm -hmm. And like I said, and I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it, if you would like the Constitution Amendment amended and you would like the second amendment gone or changed write a letter to your to your your elected representative threaten them with with your vote or lack thereof because that is the way to change things because as it stands the amendment is the amendment thank you for your for your uh, voicemail we appreciate it very much and let's move on to the next we have another voicemail about this- the same same issue. This was a good week for listener feedback. We love it. Keep it coming. Oh, yeah. 657-464-7609. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Carissa. Uh, I was just listening to episode 162, and you had your guest on. I don't have super strong feelings on guns one way or another, but the guest that you had on made some some points that, that kind of confused me. So he was talking about the Indiana schools. They spent $35 million to fortify a couple of Indiana schools. Um, they don't even pay teachers enough to teach our children. And um, who the hell wants to go to a school that's like an armament? Um, I don't understand why that's the solution, spending millions and millions and millions of dollars fortifying a school. Um, another point is um, with mental illness, like unless you go to the ER, at least in smaller towns where I'm from. Um, 
unless you go to the ER and tell them that you're going to kill yourself or somebody else, you can't get immediate psychiatric help. Um, I know this from personal experience with a family member. It took uh, it was going to take three months for him to get uh, any kind of help other than just going to his doctor and saying, "Give me some drugs." Um, so that's what they 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 suggested you do, even though he wasn't suicidal or anything. Um, and then the other thing is, he said, "Well, um, nobody's trying to outlaw this. Nobody's trying to outlaw that." Well. Yeah, bombs, they are illegal. <laughs> they don't sell them. Um, the only purpose of a gun is to kill another thing um, and maybe target practice so you can kill that other thing. And all knives aren't made to to kill like you use a butter knife. You use a knife to cut a cake. Um, so he's making some, some weird stretches with that kind of stuff. Um, love the show. Keep it up. Thanks. Bye. So I want to address the psychiatric help element first, because that's very concerning. Um, Anytime someone expresses suicidal or homicidal thoughts, uh, that is typically, I mean, uh, sometimes people will fail, an individual, I suppose, but that should be taken seriously and that should be addressed by mental health professionals. So I'm, I'm very shocked to hear that a mental health professional didn't handle that in an appropriate way for Carissa's uh, family member. I don't remember who she or her friend. Um, I wouldn't say that that is commonplace. Um, I would say that that is rare. At least I hope so. And I mean, I have heard horror stories where someone, um, one particular story I can think of, someone called an organization, I'll say, and they said they were feeling suicidal and they were told to take a walk and watch a happy movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? So wow. there are instances where people are failed, but generally, um, if someone is suicidal or homicidal, I think it, it well, should be easy to get them help. Maybe in her rural area, maybe it is different. Maybe the resources just aren't there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I did have a couple things. I do agree with you. Where you, I, I dropped the ball here. And it's when, when Victor, the guest, talked about, you know, every time there's a bombing, no one's saying blah, blah, blah. But the, I, I dropped the ball. I should have, that, that is a, a stretch, a leap, that it's bad logic. Because like you said, bombs are illegal. The reason we're not, there's not this outcry to, to make more bombs illegal is because bombs are already fucking illegal. And I, I apologize for that. Yeah. I If you remember, after Victor said that, I made a face at you. Yeah, I, I do. And I was going to make Carissa's point that she made, but <sighs> I felt really defeated in that conversation. We <laughs> we haven't talked about this, but I, I felt like I was saying things that were dumb and like I wasn't really contributing because I don't know a lot about guns. Yeah, guns just isn't your issue. Yeah, and, and so... I felt very uncomfortable and I did make a face when that point was made though, because I I, I had the same thought as Carissa. So I'm really, I'm so happy that she called since both of us dropped the ball. Um, We, we, this is why we love listener feedback because sometimes we screw up and we need you guys. Well, also listen in the, in the heat of a conversation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's all, all kinds of times where, I, I, I talked to Brett number one the next day or a couple days later after a show, 
And he's like, ah, fuck, I wish you would have said this or that. I'm like, ah, shit, man, fuck. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I, I'm, I'm dumb sometimes. I don't think of everything on the spot. My head's going. Sometimes I'm having to think of the next question. I mean, I'm not going to get into the weeds about how it's done, but I'm just not that great sometimes. So I apologize. But the other thing that I want to say that I agree with you on is that I don't think that the solution to this problem, I do believe the solution revolves around the control of guns in some way. I don't believe the solution to this problem is making fortresses out of our schools. It's, oh, we've got crazy gunmen running around. Let's make our schools into maximum security prisons. With moats. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's just the dragons and alligators. I don't believe that's the solution. Uh, And also, he said, I think the number he used was 5 million, not 35, just as a point of fact. And he didn't even really know the number. So, again, goddamn, all of you callers, Deanna, the emailer, we appreciate you guys sounding off. We, We really are. It's not just lip service. We are committed to this moving of the conversation forward. What we're doing here is important. We are reaching many, many people, not just in this country, and hopefully we're changing hearts and minds in the course of conversation. So once again, if you would like to sound off, 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. You can catch us on Twitter at idoubtitpodcast. You can follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash idattawadollamore. A blah, a blah, a blah. Oh, and another blah would be if we are still looking for a pro-gun control guest, someone who will not cancel last minute. Well, and people, I think people get nervous, like we said on our little mini uh, canceling the show release. I think people get scared to be on the show. I'm going to be civil. Right. But the thing is, you should know if you have listened to the show that, you know, when we had Victor on, we don't agree with him on everything, but he still had a place where he could speak and it was civil. And I mean, we're normal people, relatively. And... (laughs) Why are you looking at me when you say that? We are not going to attack anybody because we disagree. I mean, the whole point of this whole thing that we do is to move the conversation forward. Being hostile, being aggressive, any of that, it it doesn't do that. So So if you do come on the show and you want to come on the show, just know that it'll be a good situation for you and you'll be super happy that you did. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to make that like my alarm clock ringtone yeah, in the morning. I'm sure. So I wake up to that every morning. I'm sure. All right. Let's get to a little follow-up just before the 40-minute mark. We're getting to follow-up. Good to go. Ben Carson. Goddamn, Ben Carson. What are you going to do with this guy? I mean, seriously. The new polls have just come out, and he is now... Still a solid second place. He and Donald Trump are the only ones in double digits in the Republican race. It is completely insane. Last time we talked about how he was a guest on Fox News. 
Fox and Friends, when asked about what he would have done in the situation during the Oregon shooting, he said this. Uh, not only would I probably not cooperate with him, I would, I would not just stand there and let him shoot me. I would say, hey guys, everybody attack him. He may shoot me, but he can't get us off. <laughs> well, we talked about this last time, about steely-eyed, gritty... Man among men. Former MMA fighter. Yeah. Just a fucking superhero if there ever was one. Ben Carson. I did Google how tall he is, though, and he is six feet tall. All right. Great. There's lots of dudes that are six foot tall. That means he's three inches shorter than me. Well, I was thinking that he's two inches taller than me. (laughs) I... I was, he is square right in the middle of us. <laughs> I was thinking that he was shorter because, um, I guess, of his presence that he... How many inches did you say than you? Two. Because I was thinking he was taller because of the presence that he has on stage where he's very mild-mannered and quiet. Me. And hey, everybody. Oh, you mean you thought he was shorter? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, because it, he doesn't have that commanding presence. Well, you know, this one day, I was in an Arby's, and I got I got stuck up, and he put a gun right in my ribs. And I was like, oh, dude, that's really sad. Okay, so I hate to interrupt that, but um, <laughs> when, I Googled, <laughs> when I Googled this, um, three other candidates popped up. Donald Trump is 6'2", Ted Cruz is 5'8", Rand Paul is 5'8". I are just we, thought it was you interesting. You're off on a tear right now. I just thought it was interesting. Is. How tall is Marco Rubio? Like 5'2"? I, I bet he's 5'6". <laughs> no, he's probably 5'8". Are you going to Google it right now? He's 5'10". Oh, wow. He's my height. He's a giant. Twinning. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know how the fuck that happened, but <laughs> Ben Carson was on an, a serious XM radio show, mm-hmm. and he was asked, he was, he was recalling a time when he was stuck up, and I don't mean like a snob, I mean by a gunman. In an Arby's. Guy comes in, puts the gun in my ribs, and I, I just said, I believe that you want the guy behind the counter. He thought <laughs> that's I was. He that's what you said. In that calm way? Just in that the, calm right, way. In that calm way, okay. He said, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> over there. And, oh, so you just misdir- redirected him I to. Redirected okay. Him. So, steely eyed hero, charger of wild, crazy gunmen, he didn't charge the guy. He didn't disarm the guy like superhero. He, in fact, said, oh, I'm not the guy you want to shoot and kill. That's the guy over there that you want to aim your gun upon. Well, now he's trying to say that there's a difference between a robbery and a mass shooting. Yeah, he's he's all over the board. But what I want to talk about is the fact that in one instance, he says, Uh, not only would I probably not cooperate with him i would i would not just stand there and let him shoot me i would say hey guys everybody attack him he may shoot me but he can't get us off so did he in this case say hey guys everybody attack him he might not be able to kill us me he might kill me but he, he can't get us all he doesn't do that well no because it's a robbery not a mass shooting right well he was on with uh good buddy blitz on cnn 
you think everybody knows what we mean when we say blitz and where it comes from? No, so let's just refresh real quick. Oh, all right. Uh, Herman Cain. I think we need to do it like every every 30 episodes for new for new listeners. Herman Cain, who was a presidential candidate Republican in the last election cycle. 2012. He, during one of the debates, Wolf Blitzer was moderating, and he called Wolf Blitzer Blitz and then said, I'm sorry, Blitz, I mean Wolf. For for. <laughs> For a long time, was calling Wolf Blitzer Blitz. Yes. Referring to him as Blitz to his face. Yes. And then finally, when he realized he had been doing it, rather than say, oh, I'm sorry, Wolf. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I was saying your name wrong. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Blitz. I meant Wolf. Yeah. Black Walnut. <laughs> Herman Cain, everybody. So anyway, that's why we call Wolf Blitzer Blitz now. Anyway, again, in the weeds... Ben Carson was talking to Wolf Blitzer, a.k.a. Blitz, about this conversation on the radio show, and this is what happened. It's, that sounds counter to what you're recommending that's, right now. That's a completely different situation. This is somebody who comes into an, a, a joint to rob it, not somebody who's sequentially killing people. But you didn't know it's, he was just going to rob the joint. I did know he that. He potentially could have killed you. I did know that. And the fact of the matter is, you know, maybe this is a, a level of sophistication that people learn from living on the streets. But I knew that that guy was not there to how murder you, how everybody. How could you possibly know that he had a gun? I knew he was not there to murder all the people. I knew he was there to rob the place. And that's why you said, look at the guy over there, just rob the place and then get out? Exactly. When was that? How long ago was that? It was when I was a resident, so it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So the shocking thing about this is that people are going for this. Oh, yeah. People believe this. In fact, I had a discussion with someone. Well, they're just so desperate to love Ben Carson. Yes, I had a discussion with someone and, and they started saying, you know, well, what do you know? You, you probably just grew up in this suburban lifestyle and <laughs> you don't know anything about what it's like on the on streets. On the streets. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, why at all would my personal experience with violence have anything to do with my ability to understand that a robbery can go south at any minute. Right. And often they do. And so Ben Carson is saying, I knew for a fact that guy was just there to take some Popeye's chicken's money. He says, was it Popeye? Oh, it was a Popeye's, not an Arby's. Mm -hmm. And he says it in a shitty dismissive tone. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're a New York Jew. You don't get it. I grew up on the streets. I know. I mean, that's not what he said, but that's the tone I'm getting. He he did say it like that. It's completely insane. Yeah. And it's- I knew. I knew because I'm a brother from the streets. You are just a skeevy New York Jew. I'm really trying to paint him as an anti-Semite right now. <laughs> I know. What is happening with all this? I am not party to this, okay? I just want everyone to know I'm not party to this. Well, but he did. He had an attitude when he was trying to explain it. Yes. And then when you discuss it with people who want to defend Ben Carson, they also get an attitude. It's like, oh, yeah. will me telling you about my personal experiences with gun violence make like endear me to you? And then you'll understand like my perspective. Right. Because it shouldn't be necessary or relevant at all. It's terrible. But what's funny about this whole situation is this whole story is and being... By- and by funny, do you mean horrific and sad? Well, whatever. And um, <laughs> this whole story is being questioned for accuracy. Yeah, that's right. I think the Daily Beast is is has put this entire thing in question. I know that they immediately contacted Popeye's Chicken Headquarters, which, by the way, if you have not had Popeye's Chicken, 
Their spicy recipe is damn good. And their red beans and rice are pretty delicious. Okay. Also, they have good, good biscuits. If you have a choice between Popeye's and Kentucky Fried Chicken, I gotta say, you must choose Popeye's. So when the Daily Beast... Even if there's a risk of robbery. When the Daily Beast... (laughs) Pressed Carson's advisor for more information. He first pointed to a retelling of the stick-up in one of Carson's autobiographies. One of Carson's autobiographies. He wrote two. (laughs) That means there's multiple autobiographies. That's the one where you write it yourself. Okay, so he pointed to a retelling of the stick-up in one of Carson's autobiographies that does not exist. What else would he have to write about in a second autobiography? Oh, there's this other part of my life I just didn't get to in the first book. And later attempted to revise when and how the robbery occurred. Throughout his several published books and three autobiographies... (laughs) Carson doesn't appear to mention the story once. Wow. When the Daily Beast reached out to Carson's business manager. Bernie, he's saving it for his fourth autobiography. And central advisor Armstrong Williams. He said that Carson had personally told him the story and that it also appeared in Carson's 2006 book, Take the Risk. According to the Daily Beast, there is no story about a stick up at Popeye's in Take the Risk. Wow. So... Carson did respond to this article. Carson responded to the Daily Beast story during an interview with Sirius XM and said, quote, to me, it wasn't that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Really, what you're saying is, are you lying about that? Is that something you're making up? And why would I be doing that? As a God-fearing Christian, Uh, it's something that happened. It's not something I made up. Yeah, Brittany, how dare you? You know Christians don't lie. Well, that's just a way to shut down the conversation, right? Because that's... that's Because then you're questioning his faith. Right, that's the perfect play to make because it forces people into this kind of square where they feel like they need to be PC and careful. Oh, oh, he's a God-fearing Christian. He evoked that. We can't really challenge this further. I mean, uh, he said that. It's not like all the Christians in the news we're finding out all the time are having multiple porn star sexual partners or signing up on Ashley Madison to cheat on their wives. They're God-fearing men, Brittany. How dare you question me? It's complete bullshit. Just like a Ben Carson. Ugh. Well, let us know. What do you think? 657-464-7609. Do you think he's uh, he's on the up and up? Do you think this happened? Um, do you think he's maybe exaggerating the circumstance? What do you think? Well, next up, we have talked about Saudi Arabia being a member of the United Nations Human Rights Council. Again, a member, Saudi Arabia, a member of the UN Human Rights Council. Well, as a member of the UN Human Rights Council now, their government has sentenced or a 74-year-old man faces 350 lashes. Why, Brittany? It must be something very serious. Like, did he did he hurt a woman? Did he did he did he harm a child? What, uh, what did this 74-year-old man do to warrant the possibility of such a, a, a stiff sentence? He was caught with homemade wine. <laughs> that is some good wine. So Carl Andre is his name, 74 years old. He has already spent more than one year in prison uh, since being arrested by Saudi religious police. An elderly man. Yes. 
And his family say that they were led to believe he'd avoid the flogging because of his age, but that's now in doubt. They believe it would kill him. He is asthmatic, has gout, and has survived cancer three times. Alcohol is illegal in Saudi Arabia, where judges can hand down public executions or beatings with whips or sticks to those found guilty of offenses. As well as severely breaking the skin and causing heavy bruising, the punishment can lead to nerve damage, infections, psychological trauma, and even death in extreme cases. Blogging and making alcohol is not the only reason you can be flogged in Saudi Arabia. Amnesty International says flogging is normally carried out with a cane on the back and in a public square, but people are often allowed to wear a layer of clothing. So this isn't the only insanity that's coming out of Saudi Arabia right now. Again, Saudi Arabia, member of the United Nations Human Rights Council. There's also a case where a woman may face jail after posting a video of her husband in the act of cheating on her, in the act of being unfaithful to her. A Saudi woman who posted footage online of her husband assaulting a family maid has been warned that she may face jail for defamation. The housewife used her mobile phone to secretly film her partner as he made advances to the female servant in the kitchen of the family home. The video shows a man dressed in traditional white robes of a Saudi male apparently trying to kiss the maid as she attempts to pull away from him. And the still shots in this article, um, it's very apparent that he is... Lording over her. He looks aggressive. You can tell that her head is like away from him. She's like bending her back trying to get away. And it doesn't look like it's being... It's very successful. The wife uploaded the footage to YouTube alongside the caption, quote, The minimal punishment for this husband is to scandalize him. The footage drew widespread support for the unnamed housewife, but Saudi legal experts... But Saudi legal experts have warned that it could be the wife who ends up in jail. Quote, she faces up to one year in prison or a fine of about 130,000 U.S. dollars. Yeah. And that's for defaming her husband in line with the law on information technology crimes. Ugh. Goddamn. This law includes stiff punishment for anyone using mobile phones with cameras or other equipment to photograph others and defame them. Again, Saudi Arabia, member of the United Nations Human Rights Council, which they had to be appointed to that position. Tell me more about how much the UN does so much good and how much we should continue to give them money when they, this kind of atrocity is executed. And not to mention the fact that Raif Badawi, the atheist humanist blogger, is still in prison and still being flogged For writing a blog. For writing a blog. Dealing with freedom of speech. Terrible. They are a close ally of these United States. When when the, the Saudi king and the Saudi royal family comes to this country, they get treated, and no pun intended, with the royal treatment. They they hold hands with the head of state. Our president is deferential to them. All while women can't drive cars, women are treated like third-class citizens, people are put in prison and are at risk of being beaten brutally for having alcohol. Goddamn. Come on. The world needs to turn its back on Saudi Arabia. And the first step 
is by energy independence. This isn't something, a trope that we bring out on the show all the time. But if we're to free ourselves, to extricate ourselves from the insanity of Saudi Arabia and their brutal, torturous culture, which is underpinned by Islam, then we must find ourselves another source of energy. Even if it's another fossil fuel source, we just need to stop giving them our money day in and day out. Up next is a story we've been meaning to get to, but we have just, we haven't found the time. A Tennessee County Commission votes no on a pretty awesome measure, and I'm a little disappointed. A Tennessee County Commission on Tuesday turned down voting on a resolution asking God to spare the country from divine wrath sparked by the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling legalizing gay marriage. (laughs) The Blount County Commission voted 10 to 5 to reject an agenda that included the resolution and adjourned without debate. Onlookers crowding the meeting room, most dressed in red in support of same-sex marriage, yelled in frustration and one shouted cowards at the commissioner. Commissioner Karen Miller, who introduced the resolution, said she had no idea that the agenda would be turned down. Quote, I was totally in the dark, very disappointed, because people have a right to speak. Miller said she would likely reintroduce her resolution. Merrillville is a town of some 27,000 people, about 15 miles south of Knoxville. Her, quote, resolution condemning judicial tyranny and petitioning God's mercy called on the state to join Blount County in fighting against the Supreme Court's June ruling legalizing gay marriage. The text requests that God, quote, pass us by in his coming wrath and not destroy our county as he did (laughs) Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, wow. Invoking Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. Weird. Not not surprising at all. Apparently, a similar resolution without the appeal to God's mercy was passed last month in nearby Greene County. A bill in Tennessee's legislature introduced two weeks ago calls on the state to nullify the Supreme Court ruling. Nutters. Full on nut. Notice this stuff doesn't happen in California or Washington State. Uh, This happens in Tennessee. This happens in Kentucky. This happens in... In Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, someone was quoted as saying, I believe if we continue to spit God in the face, we're going to get it. <laughs> I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, homosexuals, the, the, the greatest cause of earthquakes and floods and devastation since the beginning of time or something. It was tongue in cheek. It was funny. And I'm not saying it right, but it was funny. I love how this person's perception of spitting in God's face is two people having a loving relationship and being able to be together without fear of being harmed or ridiculed. Or having an equal rights under our Constitution. Yes. Ugh, fuck. All right. Well, here's one for the record books. This late in the show... Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Good news for Bernie Sanders. The once zero endorsement having candidate now has two, two endorsements. They are Keith Ellison. Isn't that another congressman? He's the Muslim congressman. He is from a, Minnesota. He is yes, a Democratic 
representative from Minnesota. Who is a Muslim. I don't know about that. Well, he's one of two, so it's him. Okay. Yeah. And Raul and Raul Grivjalavala. How was that? <laughs> wow, that's a lot of syllables for a last name. Yes. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's Grivjal... I can't. Um, All right. So, he... so two, two congressmen have mm-hmm. endorsed him. Yeah, one from Minnesota, one from Arizona. And he has two. And Hillary Clinton has, you know, a million. So Right. Well, this is one of the one of the marks that 538 has been talking about that he's so behind and doesn't really stand a chance and won't get the nomination based on the fact that he has no endorsements. Well, now he has two. So 538 has the endorsement primary. And so they've been keeping up with all this. The representatives give one point to the candidate. Getting an endorsement from a senator gives five points. And getting an endorsement from a governor gives you 10 points. Hmm. So Hillary Clinton right now has 361 points as far as endorsements go. Joe Biden has 16. He's not in the race, guys. Um, Bernie Sanders... Two points and Martin O'Malley one point. No, Martin O'Malley mm-hmm. behind Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to know who he was endorsed by? Um, Barbara Mikulski. Eric Swalwell. Swalwell. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. He is a representative from California. Wow, mm-hmm. not a Maryland person. No, that's weird. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of the debate. We just published our bonus episode. You can thank our Patreon supporters for bringing that episode to you. If you'd like to join the ranks of the Patreon supporters, please do. You can give as little as you'd like, or as much as you'd like for that matter. But go to patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would love to have you partner with us in moving the conversation forward in that way. So, here is some audio that I find very, very compelling from someone for whom I have great respect. Penn Gillette is talking on CNN about a multiplicity of candidates, and uh, not surprisingly, I find myself agreeing with most of everything he says. Hillary Clinton is... I mean, she's just Nixon... I mean, she's precisely Nixon. You interact with Donald Trump a lot here? I haven't. I haven't. No, I um, uh, I did, of course, Celebrity Apprentice. So of all the candidates that have ever run for president, he's the one I, I know the best. Does that, does that translate to knowing is loving? I enjoy a kind of direct honesty, kind of however you get that. Some people get it with drugs. I think Donald got it with power or perceived power. But the Donald Trump uh, running for president thing, we all prayed for there to be a candidate who would just speak whatever was on his or her mind. We do have someone without advisors who goes off half-cocked, and it's really not as beautiful as it was uh, in our minds we hoped for. I mean, I would love everything about Donald Trump except the details of what he says. There seems to be one person in this race who's actually uh, genuine and not crazy. And that's Bernie. And all my libertarian friends are getting so angry at me. I don't really agree with him politically. 
I just not endorsing. No, not endorsing in any way. I disagree with him. I think on most everything. As a libertarian, uh -huh. Bernie Sanders in the White House is not the end of the world to you. No, no. Bernie Sanders in the uh, in the White House gives us a chance to say, is this the direction we want to go? I mean, there's supposed to be a, a certain kind of um, experimentation with this. Watching these debates, have you been impressed or disappointed by Rand Paul's showing? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Rand Paul. Uh, Why is that? Because Rand Paul is not a libertarian. He's not really a small government guy. I don't want to just say stuff that's good for the libertarians. I don't want to feel like I have a team. There, there is the difference between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders in a nutshell. If I say I disagree with everything Bernie Sanders says, but he's a good guy, I think Bernie Sanders goes, that's the way, that's the way we work in our political system. Donald Trump says, you're a loser, die. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty true. I just, goddamn, I love Penn. You know, he's so rational. He's so reasonable. And everything he said about Bernie could have come out of my mouth and probably has over the course of the last 50 or so episodes. He, Bernie Sanders is an honorable guy who tells it like he sees it. Whether or not that is the correct way to run our country is a different story. But he's he's honest. He's earnest. He's real. Yeah, and after Pendulette's comments about Sanders and Paul, uh, Matt Welch, the editor of the Libertarian Reason magazine, took issue with some of the things that he said and wrote an article about it. And Pendulette tweeted him and said, Yep, Matt is right. I'm wrong. I fall for sincerity too much over content. Still, he's genuine. It's still a genuine response. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I appreciate sincerity. Even, right. if, even if they're wrong about their ideas, he's sincere. And he's not a hateful prick. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those guys. Bernie Sanders or, of course, not Penn Jillette. Awesome. Beautiful. All right, well, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of Taking Care of Biz. Taking Care of Biz. Jennifer Lawrence mm -hmm. is taking care of biz this week. How is she doing it this week? She because doesn't she usually generally take care of biz? Yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> she wrote an article that was featured in this uh, new newsletter that Lena Dunham is doing called uh, Lenny, right? Yeah, Lenny. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence wrote something titled "Why Do I Make Less Than My Male Co-Stars?" Huh? Because as we all know, the Sony hack happened. And one of the things that was revealed uh, when the emails were hacked and released was that Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Adams were paid less than her male co-stars in the movie American Hustle. And I, I was shocked by this. The numbers that you told me the other day were not to be redundant. They were shocking. <laughs> right. So all the men in American Hustle, including Jeremy Renner, who, if I remember correctly didn't have as prominent a role no. as jennifer lawrence no uh, all the men made nine percent and jennifer lawrence and amy adams made seven percent right yeah and, and i wouldn't call his part a bit part but it certainly was wasn't co-star she was the co-star of the goddamn movie 
Right. So she writes, it's hard for me to speak about my experiences as a working woman because I can safely say my problems aren't exactly relatable. When the Sony hack happened and I found out how much less I was being paid than the lucky people with dicks, I didn't get mad. <laughs> I didn't get mad at Sony. Oh, yeah. I got mad at myself. I failed as a negotiator because I gave up early. I didn't want to keep fighting over millions of dollars that, frankly, due to two franchises, I don't need. Parenthetically, I told you it wasn't relatable. Don't hate me. But if I'm honest with myself, I would be lying if I didn't say there was an element of wanting to be liked that influenced my decision to close the deal without a real fight. I didn't want to seem difficult or spoiled. At the time, that seemed like a fine idea until I saw the payroll on the Internet and realized every man I was working with definitely didn't worry about being difficult or spoiled. She goes on to say, could there still be a lingering habit of trying to express our opinions in a certain way that doesn't offend men? She says, a few weeks ago at work, I spoke my mind and gave my opinion in a clear, no bullshit way. No aggression, just blunt. The man I was working with, actually, he was working for me, said, wow, we're all on the same team here. As if I was yelling at him. I was so shocked because nothing I said was personal, offensive, or to be honest, wrong. All I hear and see all day are men speaking their opinions, and I give mine in the exact same manner, and you would have thought I said something offensive. Uh, this is commonplace though yes it is it is and i read this and you know there was part of me that was like you know are are we women just being whiny you know but then i started thinking on my own experiences and i have dealt with this so much throughout my life yeah especially you because you are assertive you are strong you are opinionated you are you're you're a what a woman should be and aspire to be, as far as I would be concerned. Well, that not is very... To, not to S your D. That's very nice of you. Brittany P. But... Love the show. <laughs> Brittany's the best part. But There have been instances where I've had jobs, and one that comes to mind was when I was a project manager, and I remember being taken aside and being talked to about yeah. how I was managing my team and... You know, I was accused of being bitchy and and I, I, I would hear the male management speaking negatively about me and I wasn't doing anything hostile, angry, none of that. What I was doing is I was leading. I was right. And I was doing what men do in the workplace. Had, had you, and I was witness to this. I was able, lucky enough to bear witness to this. Had you been a man and been acting in the same exact manner that you were acting they would have respected you and right. they would have followed you and no one would have questioned your leadership or your decisions or your actions because you would have been, wow, he's he's in charge. He's a man. Right. And something she says here, too, I'm over trying to find the adorable way to state my opinion and still be likable. Fuck that. I don't think I've ever worked for a man in charge awesome. who spent time contemplating what angle sh he should have to use to have his voice heard. It's just heard. And that's such a beautiful point, too. I mean, you're sitting there thinking, you know, how should I say this? I don't want to be like be perceived as difficult or like she's saying spoiled or bitchy. All these words that yeah. are used to describe women who who are in leadership roles or who are behaving the way, quote unquote, men behave. Um it's that whole thing of trying to be like a cutesy, delicate little lady, you know, yeah. and that's what really upset me about the one star review when the person was talking about how much we disagree and how it's so contentious. And 
it, it made me feel like, oh, are you just you want me to sit here and just agree with everything Jesse's saying? Because that's not going to happen. Fuck, I don't even want that. <laughs> I mean, so there's these weird expectations of women that I do believe exist. And I don't you know, think it's just women being whiny. Let me say, let me speak for all men. Brittany. <laughs> I, I, th- I feel I have that authority. Please do. Um, I'm teasing, obviously. I, I used to not really buy into this. Like the whole bossy, don't call women bossy, whatever. I, I used to kind of talk about that in jest and make fun of it. But over the course of the last, I don't know, two years, so it hasn't been even that long, I've kind of come around that it really is. There is this weird systemic way that women have to, they're kind of forced in this position, like you just said, to alter the way they deal with men. On a cutesy, uh, they're expected to be this or that, mm-hmm. rather than just on par as equals. And it's fucking not cool. Yeah. Uh, and I would admonish, I would admonish men who are listening, who are within the sound of my voice, to think about that. I'm not going to say check your fucking privilege, but I'm going to say think about that. If you feel you're treating after some 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 uh, introspection, if you feel like you're treating a lady differently because she's a lady, then fucking knock it off. Treat them equal. Because isn't that what you want, Brittany Page? Yes. It also reminds me of uh, Amy Schumer when she was talking about making her movie. She wrote Trainwreck. Right. And she was making awesome the movie, movie. Right. And she would go up to Judd Apatow, the director, and say, I'm sorry, but I think... You know, yeah. oh, we should do this. And she she said she realized, why am I apologizing every time I say something? It's I, my fucking movie. Right. And I, I did that today. I like ran into an elevator that was almost closed. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I apologized to people in the elevator. And then after I did, I'm like, why am I? Apo-? I just got in the elevator. Like I don't need to apologize for that. Yeah. But it's this weird thing that is like internal in us. And I found this article on Huffing on Washington Post, and they translated famous quotes in the way that a woman would have to say them during a meeting. <laughs> and so the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. A woman in a meeting would say, I have to say, I'm sorry, I have to say this. I don't think we should be as scared of non-fear things as maybe we are, if that makes sense. Sorry, <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling. No, more. Is there more? I want more. Yeah. That's really good. Give me liberty or give me death, a woman in a meeting. Dave, if I could, um, I could just, I just really feel like if we had liberty, it would be terrific and the alternative would just be awful. You know, that's just how it strikes me. I don't know. (laughs) How many are there? There are several. Oh, do, uh, do two more. Pick out the best ones. And don't fuck it up. I will be heard, woman in a meeting. Sorry to interrupt. No, go on. Dave, finish what you had to say. (laughs) And then I came, I saw, I conquered, woman in a meeting. I don't want to toot my own horn here at all, but I definitely have been to those places and was just honored to be a part of it as our team did such a wonderful job of conquering them. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, think about that, men. Think about that. And I'm no bleeding heart liberal. I'm no... No activist uh, feminist. That's it's not my role. But when we're wrong, we're wrong. And when we're not being fair, we're not being fucking fair. 
analyze your behavior, analyze how you treat others, especially women, because it's easy to, to change it. We're in control of how we interact. Goddamn, do the right thing. What do you have to say, Brittany? I have to say that you are just doing such a great job, and I really appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to be here. You're welcome. And also, F off. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. All right. Well, (laughs) with that, we will leave you. We love you. We appreciate you. Maybe I should have Brittany sign off because she is a powerful, strong, beautiful, intelligent woman. All right. For Jesse Dollimore. She's choosing not. Are you choosing not to? No, I, I'm just trying to remember what you say because oh. usually I'm like gone by the time you, uh, <laughs> I'm just done with it. Well, do a little Amazon plug there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So go to dollamore.com and on that page, you will find an amazon.com link and there you can buy, <laughs> um, Reagan paintings and. Are you just looking around the room now? Yeah. <laughs> uh constitution things yeah frames yes a lot of good stuff there on amazon all kinds of good stuff and that doesn't cost you anything and it goes to us and is helpful if you're gonna spend your money anyway anyway, something else gets said after that (laughs) (laughs) well i've had 163 some episodes to practice you've had none you've never said it (laughs) yeah i haven't really even listened so i don't that's another problem Um, So anyway, listen, we love you. We appreciate you. Yes, yes. Call us, 657-464-7609. Leave us a voicemail. Send us uh, a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com. We want to move the conversation forward with you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye.